listening to LDB. Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast. Welcome back. We're on episode two and Shara is currently dying sick with the sniffles and a very chesty cough. So she's sounding a bit like Phoebe Buffay right now and friends in that one episode where she actually likes her sick voice and people actually like her sick voice. My sticky, sticky shoes. Now your, now your turn, Shara. I don't know. I don't remember what she said. Smelly cat, smelly cat. <laughs> what are they feeding you? So there's actually so many topics to discuss. I feel like we should start talking about you, Shara, because you have had a week. It has been a week of adjustments, of new things. But I think if, if all these things are to happen, the best time for them to happen is the start of the year. I kept saying that to her. I feel like the stars, I feel like I don't want to like completely astrology it. And I feel like some astrology people will know what's going on. I feel like there's something going on because for me, January, what was it? January 16th, quite literally was rock bottom, I think for me. We, we won't, won't go, go into that. the detail, but there was yeah. a lot of factors. Um, it was your Mercury retrograde, for sure. It was your Mercury retrograde. Like, it was retrograding. Is Mercury even in retrograde? I don't know, but it was for you. We can say that. It was It was for me in particular. The universe said, fuck you, Saramar. Fuck you. Um, but anyway. One of the things that changed this week for Shara was that she left her job in tech sales tell us a bit about that Shara tell us about <laughs> what happened and what led you to leave it and how you're feeling now I think it's a great thing yeah, I think I also think it's a great thing I have like a weight lifted off my shoulders so I started working in this company in Barcelona we won't name names and I went into the company thinking it was going to be like sales and marketing and I thought it was more of a marketing job than than anything and throughout the interview process no mention of tell us how many interviews did you have for this job which is ridiculous the amount of interviews four or five it was like five I remember it was five yeah it was a heavy like interview process and so I got in we started working there and then like week one it kind of hit me that this is this is just straight up cold calling like there's no beating around the bush nobody mentioned it up, up until I was already in the company working like in Barcelona living paying rent and so then I just had to stick with it and I was like okay this is it this is it and I was like look we'll make the best of it it's just a like passing through job whatever I think if everyone's young everyone was young in the company so it was like a really like fun environment to work in like everyone was my age loads of Irish people um and yeah I I had a great time meeting the people but it just wasn't fulfilling me in any way and I was working nine hours a day it was just so boring like it was mind-numbing work and I just I hated it and I just wasn't I think it was more annoying to me as well because I wasn't good at it as well and it annoyed me that I wasn't good who is good at cold calling (laughs) There, you know, you'd be surprised. There are a few people that are so great at it, and hats off to them if they can do this job. God, fair play to them. I have to say, like you know, throughout her having this job, she's sent me footage of her on the job because she works was working from home a lot of the time, and this company is based in Barcelona, which is why she's over there. And 
a lot of it, it it was so funny because their online system was you go on the computer, it lists the company, it gives you the phone number, and then it lists the CEO of that company. Literally, what would happen if he just called Taylor up? What would happen? Literally. That's what you're doing every single day. And I've had these phone calls come through to me in my work. And someone's like, can I speak to the CEO of my company who doesn't do deal with anything regarding administration or anything? He's just chilling. He's making money and he's vibing, but he has nothing really to do with the company. He's gone. He doesn't need to be there anymore. And Shara, like people like Shara will call and say, can I speak to the CEO of the company? And I'm like, no. And that's kind of what not. happens when you obviously not. And that and even the even the CEO has nothing to do with setting up t- uh, security and stuff like that. It's a whole other department. So that's what she was doing. I thought that was gas. But uh, she also has had other friends who've been in that job who have quickly left because they realized it wasn't for them. It, I think it was false advertising as well. What you were set up like you were set up from the beginning. Oh, 100 percent. Everyone that I had talked to has said, oh, we thought this was a marketing job. Like, we're all studying marketing or, like, we're on an internship for marketing, but we're not doing any marketing. Um, so, yeah, it was just not a great place, and I'm very happy with how things turned out. Um, I will never work in tech sales again, I'd say, it, especially this early on in the sales cycle. I just think that part of the sales cycle is just... I think we can talk about tech companies in general because tech companies were so renowned for like you know all their benefits good pay and Mm. it attracted a lot of people especially over covid during the pandemic to um change jobs and go into tech and you you're seeing now this mass hiring and firing of staff in tech like microsoft announced today that they're uh laying off eleven thousand. I think members of staff um same with you know twitter it's lit- i don't know who's working at twitter yeah and um, google it's constant hiring and firing if you talk to anyone who's worked in google in in cork they are on a fixed term contract of like six months and after that six months they're gone so there's no longevity in tech no um which just makes it yeah it, it makes isn't. it it's not sustainable and then as well there's no job security because a lot of these tech companies are american like the one you were working for so they can kind of hire and fire you without notice from one day to the next no problem yeah so i think this is a good thing anyway that charis left this job because it just wasn't worth it i think for someone with a degree she could do so much better absolutely i think you'd be so good as like a in marketing in pr magazines online magazines things like that fashion i think you'd be great in i just think this is the start of something new i definitely yeah i definitely want to experience barcelona as well when i'm not working because the moment i landed in barcelona i basically started working the next day and i never had any time for myself to explore the city and like see it for myself like other than weekends where I usually would just go out or like do one activity a weekend and it's just not enough two days is not enough it's not no I think it's great and it'll give you like you've saved up a lot you have a very supportive mm-hmm. mother and father and you want to stay in Barcelona and I think the opportunities in uh, Barcelona particularly right now for internationals and internationals with a degree 
are so high i think you you will like you found it incredibly stressful to have left this job because it was your security it was a constant kind of thing that you've been doing for since like autumn of last year last summer but it's it's it wasn't good it's sometimes it's it's good for things to just fall out of place really suddenly like I'll compare this to when I was working Mm. in a really terrible culinary job where I had a 30 minute break working a nine hour day it started at 7 30 in the morning this is a was a bakery I'm gonna I'm gonna name and shame this was the cinnamon cottage I thought I'd it would be nice to work in a bakery Shara's gasping I love the name drop but uh basically I I know like I honestly I just hated I hated them and that's name and shame establishments that just suck now I know working in kitchens is a whole other caliber like you have to just be so resilient and I'm not Anthony Bourdain in his book would always talk about how you know he was always burning himself in the kitchen and it was always go 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 and it, it working in the kitchen is tough and he would talk about how kids would come out of the Culinary Institute of America and rock up and think that it would be an eight-hour shift and they'd be gone. Um, and, like, that it would be very calm, a very, like, you know, organized environment. And it was anything but. It was just totally hostile. It was messy. It was f- foul language, inappropriate behavior, all this stuff. And these guys from Culinary Institute of America would quit after about a week and I should have done that I am too much of a princess I'm gonna say it I'm too much of a princess to be just breaking my back every single day but what would happen is it was 7 30 in the morning it was a 7 30 in the morning start and if you arrived at 7 31 you'd get a telling off and it's just not how I rolled it's just not and for you it wasn't for me and then you'd have your lunch in your car because there was nowhere to eat it I feel like you should be your own boss. I feel like you, you seem like the kind of person that would be their own boss. Yeah, I like I would never be as hard on me as the people in kitchens have been on me. That was just ridiculous. But I just remember going out and eating my lunch and barely having time to eat my lunch in my car. Then, let's say, during the working hour when you were working, if you went to the toilet and you were in the toilet for longer than two minutes, would have a group meeting and they would be like people are spending too long in the toilet so I should have left that immediately that was that was the job that made me get a bald patch in my head (laughs) and I had to part my hair a very certain way to get to not expose the bald patch what happened was is that they and I handed my notice but I said oh I can work until the end of December like before Christmas and they actually fired me before my notice like three four weeks before my notice was actually to go into effect and I was kind of I went through all the emotions first it was like shock and then it was anger and then it was grief and then it was relief and what happened after I was so upset about it even though it was a terrible job terrible pay and terrible people working there I went into the the next job that I went into in January was the best job I've ever had and I'm still in it right now. So I think that's a silver lining. So whenever these things happen, I always think, thank God that that happened to me. You know, I, 
I never really had a shitty job like this until now and like I feel like you really need to do to experience that in your 20s just to humble you a little bit you know like the moment I stopped working as a chef or working in kitchens and I went back into working in an office environment I was so just relieved and impressed and just happy and it was so such a healthy environment I get on with all my colleagues everyone's normal you don't work after five um it's very everyone's married I just I think it's great to work in an environment where I hear like from you from your the job that you've just left and I, I hear from other friends too they're in a very young working environment where the oldest person is like 28 and they'll have a staff party and everyone's getting with each other and it just turns so messy. No comment. Yeah, I've also worked in jobs like that. But um, to work in a job where you can go to the staff party and they're just doing... They're just dancing and doing old people stuff, you know? Yeah, they're just drinking and dancing and... Really embarrassing things. Cha-cha, like... Yeah, the cha-cha. That's it, exactly. And I think that's just so nice. So yeah, I love the job I'm in right now. It's really good. Definitely. I think it's really good for you as well. I never see you stressed. You're always like glowing after work. You always have like energy. Everyone has their days in work, obviously, but like on a general note, you're always happy. Whereas for me, like the first two months were fine. And then it just took a, a turn where every day felt like a drag. But I'm so like proud of myself because in work I just pretended to be so fine and so energetic and I made everyone believe that I was great but then I was texting all my coworkers, being like I want to die <laughs> yeah and like the thing about when you're working in like something that's very labor demanding like what's the point on working in, in unless you're like very passionate about it it's your passion project and you're doing it yourself I would finish up these kitchen jobs I did I did culinary like experience for six months and six months was too long I should have left earlier but after after work I'd be exhausted and I would just go straight to sleep and then on the weekends I'd have two days actually not even the weekends I didn't have the weekends off on a Monday and a Tuesday I'd just be in bed because I'd be so run down and exhausted and you couldn't even call in to work sick whereas now I get like unlimited sick days um, if I'm feeling just a little bit under the weather, they don't want you to come in. They're just like, no, like mind yourself. It's just lovely. It's nice to have rights. Yeah, I love rights. In Spain, there are no rights. In American companies, there definitely are no rights. True. True. Yeah, let's switch topic. Um, I'm currently sipping on a big pint of icy Pepsi Max and I'm very proud of myself for trying Pepsi Max in the first place because I've been converted and I'm going to tell you why I prefer Pepsi Max over a Coke Zero and why I've converted Shara to a Pepsi Max too. Yes, she has. Okay. Yes, she has. First of all, it's cheaper than Coke. Zero. Second of all, it tastes like Coke from the fountain in like the cinema or something like that, which is just delicious. Three, it's sugar free. And that's why I love it. And that's why I think all of my listeners should go to the shop and buy themselves a Pepsi Max. And may I add, 
that you can drink Pepsi Max when it's flat, whereas if you drink a Coke Zero when it's flat, it just tastes rank. There you go. But I do think Coke Zero in Spain is better than Coke Zero in Ireland and Pepsi Max in Spain is worse than in Ireland. I think there's like some differences in the ingredients or something. And I can convince myself that I'm supporting a local business because Pepsi Max is actually uh, in Carrigaline. So I feel like that could be why the recipe is better. It's local. You're supporting local. Okay, on to the, on to the next topic. I want to talk all about Shara because I think her upbringing is so fascinating to me. I could hear I could hear her talk about it all day. I want to go right back to the beginning. I actually want to talk about your mother and your father. And I want you to tell us the story on how they met. This is what I know. This is all that they told me. And I, I hope I haven't like changed the story. But my mom moved from communist Romania. Well, Transylvania, which is the Hungarian part of Romania. To Budapest when she was like 19. All by herself. And my dad moved at the early, in the early 90s around the same time to Budapest from our, like Cork and he moved as like um, an expat transfer from PwC there to here and I feel like my mom I don't think my mom was working here at the time working in PwC at the time but she did join at, at a later stage and that they met at work in PwC here at Budapest um, and yeah I think that's it I th- long story short they're still together very happy here I am yeah Tell us about where were you born and where did you first start to go to school? And then tell us about your school transfers because you've been an international gal. Um, so I was born here in Budapest, lived here for a year. Then we moved to Slovenia because my dad got transferred or something. Lived in Ljubljana, which is the capital of Slovenia. Then we moved back here and I went to kindergarten and went to school here until I was in sixth class. And then after I finished sixth class, my parents were like, we're moving to Saudi Arabia. (laughs) So we uprooted and I started seventh grade in Saudi, in Riyadh. And I went to an international school there as well. And I lived there for five years until like 2016 end of 2016 I think or 2015 I don't know one of those years so you would have done autumn of 2015 yeah so I moved in autumn of 2015 to Ireland for the very first time I had a completely American accent like I went to Bruce which was um a grind school where like all different kids like came to the same school just to study for their leaving cert um and like they didn't know each other before or like some kids did but like it if the school started when you were in 11th grade or fifth fifth year in Ireland and I was like wow this is a big change I really was opposing to the move but my parents were like this is it this is happening sorry so I had to go like as, as a child um we're not talking about my brattiness grace I, I could see trying to move your mouth we all we know I was very bratty um about the move and I Okay, well, it's not your mouth. My next question for you is, since you went from Budapest to Saudi and then you came to Ireland, I wanted to know what were the major culture clashes, things that you just 
were like, what is going on? I want to know what you experienced in that first year that made you just be like, what is happening? Where am I? Um, I guess like the drinking culture was like very weird because like it, it wasn't a thing in Saudi, obviously, but it wasn't I wasn't at the age in Hungary to like have realized that. And it was just very strange how everybody was getting obliterated at like age 15, 16. And I was like, OK, strange. Um, in a field, probably. In a field. Yeah, in the cold. I never dabbled in that. And like, I never went to these, but they, people kept telling me about it. And it was like Irish school discos where like these kids would get like kids like 12, 13 would get drunk in like an event or like uh, in a hotel and like kiss everyone and like be really weird i i just never understood that i never went thank god but i need to chime into this yeah so you would go to these Tell discos me. and you'd wear a mini skirt or a bodycon dress that you borrowed from like your older sister or a friend or something because it was actually so hard to get clothes pretty little thing didn't really come around till we were a little bit older and that's then what we all started buying all our mini skirts and bodycon dresses on because it was so affordable but you would go to this disco, it would be chaperoned by adults. Usually some of these kids in these discos would know these adults. And it would start off so awkward. There would be music playing and everyone would just be, no one would be dancing. Everyone would just be around the hall on the outskirts of the hall, like um, against the wall, talking to their friends, being so awkward. And then eventually one person would initiate the first shift and then everyone's like okay it's time and then you just go around and everyone would just be mooching each other and then the night would end and you'd tally, you'd tally up how many mooches you had in comparison to your friend so odd so bizarre I think it's very like particular to Irish culture uh... one thing that you were so good at though when you did move to Ireland is you acclimated incredibly well to the point where me, having lived here and gone to school here my entire life. I have a better Irish accent than you. Yeah, you've got a better Irish accent than me. And also you've made way more friends, Irish friends, than I ever have in my entire life in the first year of you being here. You have everyone's phone number. You have everyone's details. You know everyone. Like, I honestly don't know that many people. Yeah, but like that's just my personality I'm just so extroverted like it just it's not anything to do with you or me it's just like I don't know how to explain it I love I love being out with people and you make everyone feel like they're your best friend which is like a really nice trait to have I can I with me I make like one or two or three really close friends quality over quantity though and I'm just really close friends with them until I'm not friends with them anymore. Something happens, some beef happens or something, sure. and I'm not friends with them anymore. Am I Am I the drama? Am I the drama? Am I the problem? Is it me? Am I the problem? Yeah, am I the drama? But I guess like you can only be so close to someone and then you kind of realize, oh, this person isn't that great or like they're a bit crazy or they're not a really good friend. So Hasn't happened um, with us though. No, it hasn't happened with us. I'm actually shocked. We've got such a... Sh but we're like the same person. We're like twins. We actually are. We're twin mm. flames. Twin flames. And we actually share a brain. We're like fraternal twins who share a brain. 
yeah, Shara will send me a text message with a thought she's had. And I'm like, I was just about to text you the exact same thought. <laughs> She'll send me an article on Daily Mail. And I was like, I just saw that article on Daily Mail. I was literally on the article reading it when you sent that to me. It is biz- it is crazy. We'll send each other the same TikToks. We got the same For You page. It's all tarot. I literally saw one tarot card reading on my For You page. And now the whole thing is just astrology and tarot card readings. And I'm so sick of it. I want to get back to Avatar Talk. Yeah, Avatar Talk. The, the Avatar Talk videos she's sending me are so bizarre. <laughs> like, they're like smutty Avatar TikTok videos. It is, it's weird. Shara's going to paint herself blue for Halloween this year. I know it. Okay, so for this segment of the podcast, I really want to touch on pop culture because I am obsessed. So I wanted just to cover something that's really been grinding my gears, and that is the coverage Vogue is giving Brooklyn Beckham and Nicola Ann Peltz Beckham. I mean, I cannot make sense of this. Shara, can you? I can. They're they're on the whole grid of Vogue right now on Instagram. They're just so uninteresting to me. And I really don't, I, like you mentioned earlier, I think Nicola's parents are probably paying Vogue to feature them on, in the magazine, on their Instagram. And I don't know why, like, what's the obsession with them? They're such boring people. I literally, they're so uninteresting to look at. Like, Brooklyn Beckham grinds my gears. Nicola on her Choose own, she's fine. Yeah. Photographer? No. Chef? No. Okay, what's next? Like, professional husband professional he's a professional husband his tattoos are insane as well like fair play to him though to like dedicating his entire body to her like like that Uh, yeah honestly no as as shara was saying it is my theory that nicola peltz's father who's a billionaire is putting money into vogue's pocket or like backing them in, in some way as long as they give her and him coverage there is some sort of transactional thing going on here. And and if you look in the comments of all the videos of Nicola and Brooklyn on the Vogue Instagram account, you see that other people are thinking the exact same thing too. Like people are just wondering, they're commenting and saying things like, do you really think your readers are this stupid? Like there's something going on behind the scenes? And there really is. There really is. So that's something that has just been grinding my gears. Um. I think Brooklyn is hilarious. Just his whole career. He's hilarious. It's like when he published that book with the elephant, like his photography book, and he was like, here's an elephant. And it was just an elephant in the shadow. You couldn't even actually see it, just the outline. And the caption was, an elephant, so beautiful to see, but hard to capture, or something like that, along the lines of that. Just take out your iPhone. Like, it's not that hard. Honestly, my, yeah, an iPhone 4 would take a better picture than whatever the fuck that was. And when he made that, like, Parmesan, like, dish, and he, like, swirled something, tried, tried to cut the Parmesan, like, so funny. They gave him a giant wheel of Parmesan, and he couldn't <laughs> cut it open, and then he sweated all over it, then he hassip uh, errored severely here because he wiped his sweaty forehead and then wiped the parmesan 
like den with his sweaty, nasty cloth. It was disgusting. Anyway, he's living his life being a professional husband at the moment, which seems to suit him because he seemed a bit like aimless and stuff, especially, you know, I think people people love to poke fun at him but it's just so easy because he did a video just saying oh I like to be really adventurous with what I make in the kitchen and then proceeded to make a very bland gin and tonic with like a slice of cucumber in it I do have to say though there's this one video which is currently the sixth video on the Vogue magazine Instagram and it's a video of Nicola like talking about like her outfit and what she's wearing and she just seems like she's being held at gunpoint talking and Brooklyn is just watching her speak I recommend for people to watch that because it's hilarious she just I feel like she seems so uncomfortable in front of a camera I don't understand how she could be an actress yeah and on the topic of her being an actress um I first came across Nicola Peltz when she was in Bates Motel so Nicola was in Bates Motel that was when I was first introduced to her and to be fair, she was actually a really good actress. I, I was really impressed with her acting. But as time has gone on, she can't really emote any emotion on her face because it is Botox the fuck up. Like, but the work she's had done is immaculate. That whole family has had nose jobs and those nose jobs are immaculate. Like you can't find a fault. But it does impact your screen career when you can't show the emotion of shock because you can't raise your eyebrows. For sure. But those nose jobs are nose dropping. They are. Really hard. That's so funny that that's the first time you saw her. She's been a child. She was a child actress as well, you know. She was like, what, like 10 in Avatar? Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm i glad I've never seen that. On the topic of Nicola Peltz Beckham and Brooklyn Beckham, I want to talk about their newfound friendship with Selena Gomez, who... I just think it's so funny how my opinion of Selena Gomez has changed over the years. I used to love her, but I, I wasn't passionately in love with her. Her music slapped. Sorry, I'm just going to intercept here. You loved her up until about a month ago. You were like, oh my God, Selena Gomez this, Selena Gomez this that. This is exactly where I was going. That... This is the direction I'm taking. Yeah, but you were you were speaking as if this was like years ago. I used to love her. It's Selena's own fault for making me not like her anymore. I would have to say... Okay, she released this documentary called My Mind and Me, and it didn't really show mental health problems so much as it showed her being a bit of like a brat, kind of tone deaf too. And the bit where she lost me, she went to her like UNICEF school for girls, for girls who, if they weren't in that school, they would be child brides. And she was talking to them and was asking them if they believed in love. And they were just like, you know what? Um, no, not really. Uh, well, also, it wasn't the time or the place because they're there for education. So it was just kind of like, it was just a bit dumb to me, I thought. I think as well, like the whole situation with her best, so-called best friend who gave her her kidney was so messy. And I feel like, like in the doc, I didn't actually watch the documentary, but I did see a lot of clips of it on on TikTok and I feel like Selena Gomez tried to paint herself in a nice like view in a situation but I feel like the documentary actually made her look worse than it intended to this is 
like something that is happening with a lot of celebrities now where they think it's good to be more transparent or to show more of their personality and it makes us realize maybe there's not that all much all that much in their brain um we see this with Selena Gomez and her kind of you know, friendships falling apart with her friend who gave us gave her the kidney um who I don't believe she's in contact with anymore really but we also see this in a very good example with Kate Moss in a new Vogue video where Kate is saying that she was at an Irish wedding a few years ago and obviously she was sloshed and she said that some some Irish person called her a wagon and a wagon is like a really annoying loose moral woman and she thought it just meant drunk so she said that her nickname was wagon on Vogue and they were all just going around for their we- like the rest of the night being like yeah, wagon i'm a wagon i'm a wagon and i just think that's so, that's so funny. funny i never heard of that that just happened literally, literally like today or like yesterday where that was like that came out and i just think it's so funny like there's no irish person or no irish editor on vogue who said mm, maybe we shouldn't upload this clip but maybe they knew exactly what they were doing and for sure they knew what they were doing the reason why I tell the story is it's so funny because Kate Moss in the 90s did very little video interviews. You would, had no real sense of her personality, just her face and her body and obviously the fact that she was a supermodel. But I mean, if she was given loads of TV interviews to do in the 90s, I think there'd be a few clips of just disaster, questionable behavior. Disaster, yeah. I, I think this often that those celebrities back in the 90s that were so chaotic, crazy, like, all this thing, if they had video interviews, like, not on, like, cable television, like, that was so doctored. More casual that we do today. They would be over. They would be done. They would be cancelled, as they call it. As I call it. As we call it. Yeah, so I just think that's really funny. Do we have any more examples of people who we kind of thought were really cool and then they just open their mouth? I think Lily Rose Depp is a good example here because she's got her new HBO show coming out um, with your man who um, created Euphoria. And she did this comment on Nepo Babies and she said, she, I mean, if, if, someone's doc- if someone's dad is a doctor and they go to college and become a doctor, they, uh, no one's going to call them a Nepo baby because they worked hard for it. But I mean... Honey, your dad is Johnny Depp. Like, and, please. Yeah. yeah. And your mo- your mother is Vanessa Paradis. So I think the the road was very much paved for you from the beginning. It's You're quite literally the biggest Nepo baby out there. We will absolutely do a soul episode just on nepotism. I could spill the tea for hours and hours on who's a Nepo baby or who you might not think is a Nepo baby. Um, My favorite Nepo baby? Is Jane Fonda. Oh, she's my favorite Nepo baby, but she also is, before the Nepo baby thing became a huge topic of conversation, she freely admitted to the fact that she was a Nepo baby quite quite clearly. And yeah. she's very proud of her dad from clips I've seen yeah. of his career. I think she's brilliant. She's so fabulous. I think she's very good too. Okay, Shara and I are going to wrap it up here. We hope you enjoyed listening. We'll be back every week with a brand new episode of L. D B
We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed or the number has been disconnected. Please check the number and dial again. Thank you.